Hello. Ah. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, uh, buddy. Buddy. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this. Uh. Anyway, um, I can't do that for the rest of the episode, but... Uh, Thank God. <laughs> uh, it was just a little childish, um, which I, I'm never, ever. No. Um, uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but hello and good morning to you, fellow sir. I'm in crisis mode this morning. Is it because Himalayan glaciers are doomed? No, I just... The dictionary tweeted something and it really <laughs> me up. Um, and I don't know what to do about it. Uh, I like that you have, you, you get, you put the beep in. Um, I just want to make your job easy because once you learn this thing, you're just going to be stuck on it all day. And I just don't like to think about you editing while thinking about it. Okay. Look, there, there is a word that is the, (laughs) I hate this. There is a word that is the opposite of warmth, and that word is coolth. That is C-O-O-L-T-H, the state or occasion of being cool. Coolth. This, why? Why Why does the English language have to have, and also coolths, uh, if you want to make it plural, because that's a thing? I don't understand what's going on. Wait, how do you... But- how do you how do you how do you make plural things? Wait, are you making plural things cool, or is there a plurality to the cool <laughs> to one it's, thing? <laughs> so I'm trying to think of like I guess if you said those birds, the thing I like about those birds are their coolths. No, wait, that doesn't make sense either. Uh, okay, so the state or occasion of being cool. How does one have multiple states or occasion of being cool? Uh, one thing I enjoy about the movie theater is <laughs> is its coolths. I'm trying to think of like I don't know how that makes any sense. No, well, regardless, I mean, obviously this is related to warmth. Um, but yes, would you say warmths is warmths a thing? See, well, okay, yeah, I would say like uh, you know, I'm really trying to decide between those blankets, and I can't decide which of them. Well, I don't know, because that's which of them has the best warmth. The warmth of those blankets is what's <laughs> troublesome for me. I uh, I don't think so, no. but apparently... Let me see. Warmth. We'll see what Merriam, Merriam-Webster has to say. See, there's no, there's no option to pluralize warmth here. So mm. why does coolth, <laughs> which I hate even saying, I want to punch oh. my tongue. Um... <laughs> Why, why, why? Cool story, bro. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And also, Merriam-Webster is throwing up some, like, call me a nerd. It says, do you love words? You must, because there are over 200,000 words in our free online dictionary, but you're looking for one that's only in the Merriam-Webster unabridged dictionary. No, no... Uh, Merriam-Webster, <laughs> of course it's not. Uh, and I think I just discovered why. Um, well, no. Okay, so the main definition, of course, is pleasantly low temperature. So the example they give is the coolth of the evening. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the informal example of it are articles, activities, or people perceived as fashionable. So, the pinnacle of 1960s cool. <laughs> wow. I hate it so much. Well, you're the coolest person I know. Uh, yes, I am very chilly. Thank you very <laughs> much, sir. Uh, uh, man, that is... I mean, I I really... Had, it not a, had not occurred to me that that word could ever exist. But, uh, you know, I uh, other than... It matching up with warmth, I see no reason to use that. Also, I don't really say warmth all that often. Yeah, no. the the warmth of the evening. No, we no. don't we don't say warmth very often. Why are you making that weird face? Ah, the warmth of this popcorn I just pulled out of the microwave is really getting to me. Mm-hmm. Well, if only it was the coolth of it, then you'd be fine. No, uh, it's mid sixteenth century, um, and. It's wait no 
It says mid 16th century, but rare before the 20th century. So that means that it was in. Okay, so it, its big use actually was 1900 to 1950. And uh, hello and welcome to Linguistics, a podcast about language. Um, so between 1900 and 1950, it was used uh, rather frequently. And then between 1950 and now, usage, thank God, has dropped because uh, the pinnacle of 2010's coolth does not involve use of that word. Okay. That's good, I guess. <laughs> that it's out of style. It's out of style, yeah. but I guess we could bring it back into style. No, please no, don't. No, no. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, there's Coolth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just has me really freaking out this morning because I'm thinking about how many other words are there that have opposites that I don't know about? What is the opposite of crunchy, soggy? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What What is the opposite of tasty disgusting uh, okay that works no, I, mean, I was hoping you weren't gonna say not tasty well, <laughs> i guess disgusting isn't specific to taste uh Ooh, that's you, true so you say distasteful but well but that also has yeah. some different connotations doesn't right it? yeah mm, mm. i don't know this is uh this is a question for merriam webster um yeah i'm gonna have to ask them that but uh you know what else is i, I hear they're active on the social media <laughs> they are active on social media, and they had a really good post about uh, gender queerness, which was cool. But, which is uh, what I was worried was the definition you were going to take issue with at the beginning Oh, God, of this. no. <laughs> I was like, this better not be going in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here. Uh, no, not at all. Um, so now that we've dealt with the coolth of the morning, um, I thought we'd talk about something that's not so coolth. And, well, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. But Spotify um, has slurped up a uh, a podcast company. Two, two. Two, yes, I guess that's true. <laughs> two of them. But the podcast company I was thinking of is uh, Gimlet Media, which uh, produces podcasts. And then, of course, uh, they have purchased the app and service, Anchor, which lets folks sort of make short little radio show type dealies uh, that then they offered the opportunity for you to publish those shows as podcasts in different podcast libraries. So Spotify has for some time um, had a directory of podcasts so you could actually listen to your shows, some shows within the app. But um, yeah, this is, this is new. Apparently, apparently, uh, they're, Gimlet's going to continue to make the podcasts they make, but they're also going to be making podcasts for Spotify. Um, and as for Anchor, I got 75 emails from them letting me know that <laughs> Anchor is Anchor is not going away. It's still going to be here, and it's just going to get greater than ever, which, of course, is what every single acquired company says every single time. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Now, well, I... I know that you had used Anchor and you were a proponent of it for a time. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to phrase this like I told you so or something because I didn't specifically tell you so. Um, <laughs> but you I just whispered I, it behind my back. No. Yeah, no, there's. I, I was reluctant when it first appeared because it was like, how do they make money? Oh, they just want to increase user growth. Well, if they just want to increase user growth, then. Um, they're they going to the sell the company. Yeah. So, because the only reason why you want to increase user growth and uh, not actually have a business model is because you're hoping somebody acquires you so that they can get your users or the content that those users have generated. So, I never had like warm fuzzies about Anchor uh, at any point in its cycle. Uh, they changed things a couple of times with like they they added the iOS app and they wanted people to make it easier to do short recordings and then it was just like regular podcasts and it's stuff that would appear in iTunes. Um, so it makes sense that Spotify would acquire this if they're hoping that you'll make podcasts that will go into Spotify um, specifically uh, and to get that uh, technology, the software stack that they have for uh, you can even. Uh, uh, what was it? Apple Podcasts uh, Twitter account like recently highlighted 
or was it the App Store? Anyway, they had a story um, about how uh, easy it is to upload a podcast, and all you need is your iPad. Uh, this is a lie, um, but <laughs> they because you can't you can't actually use the the iTunes Connect stuff to set up the actual podcast feed. You need a real computer to do that because Apple still doesn't believe that you should be able to do anything in iTunes Connect on iOS. I don't know why, um, hmm. but uh, the Anchor. Um, has their app, which lets you uh, record a podcast right there on the iPad and upload um, or edit in Garage uh, GarageBand or whatever, and that's what uh, Apple was even highlighting in their video. So there is there is value to what they do. Um, it, it's just that uh, now that it's been acquired, it's going to be value that's aimed at Spotify in a way that was not aimed uh, at Spotify beforehand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's a, a good way to put it. That it's so one of the things about Spotify, because uh, I've looked into um, in in doing like podcasts that exist outside of networks. Um, I've looked at you know distributing those podcasts in lots of different places, and Spotify has interesting requirements. Um, and like for one, there are only certain content distribution platforms that you can use to uh, publish to Spotify, and um, you have to have like the the volume requirements, the actual like loudness of the of the file is much higher than in other places, and so there there are all these different things that you have to do in order to be able to publish your show on Spotify. And so I could see how Anchor is a good option for making that a little bit easier for folks who want to be able to put their stuff on Spotify. I think, you know, for those of us who have been doing this for a while and have been, you know, subscribed to podcasts for a long time, uh, we certainly sort of think about these these newer platforms kind of as a little bit black box and also, I don't know, just perplexing in general. Um, but not everybody I think thinks of, if, if you think about somebody who has mostly consumed their media, their like their, their listening media, their audio media on a streaming service like Spotify um, or at the time, like Pandora, I guess, then you would you would consider the fact that those folks were probably going to think about using that app to find all of their audio. Mm -hmm. And so this makes sense, I think, in that case, in that instance, because I can't tell you the number of times still that folks, you know, where I'm talking to new people and I'm talking about, you know, what, oh, well, what do you do? And I talk about the podcasts and stuff that I do. And then they're like, oh, well, how do I see that? How do I listen to that? How do I do that? Um, and it's, you know, it, we take those things for granted, I think, and it's not necessarily the most simple thing to, to share and get people, uh, into and subscribe to and all that jazz. And so this to me makes sense, um, that folks who are sort of new to the game who are like, oh yeah, I want to make a podcast for them to just be able to, uh, make and cause anchor does have editing tools built in some editing tools, um, within the app and everything. And so to make edit and publish a podcast and then see it in the music streaming service that you use, that's no small thing. And I think that, you know, like I said, the new people who are getting into this will certainly, uh, find a lot of value in that and be excited about that opportunity because it is kind of tough to publish a podcast with Apple and the process of making sure your feed is validated and making sure that, uh, you are following the rules on explicit versus non explicit and you're waiting for them to approve all those things. And then, like you said, going into, um, Apple podcasts connect through iTunes connect or how, whatever it's called these days. Um, it, that's, it's not a simple process. And so this is an easy getting started kind of thing and, uh, you know, downloading Spotify or having Spotify already and being able to click those sort of internal links, uh, when you share it with a family member, I think is a, is a nice thing. So I see the excitement here, but there's also some concern, right, Joe? Yeah. I mean, uh, one one thing that I know Marco Armand has talked about for a long time um, 
specifically because he does uh he makes the podcast application overcast is that part of the reason why he made the application free is because he was hoping to combat um other applications that were free but uh were siloing users into a specific experience like the stitcher app um where uh you're signing up for a subscription service that's only available through the app so strictly speaking not the way that podcast is supposed to be um because a podcast is a feed that exists on the internet that any podcast player can play um but uh these are specific and they only play in the app and uh require uh, a subscription which is a little different there were some uh podcast uh networks that have uh including patreon that have uh feeds that are password protected or um or just have a unique url for for you to use uh for for a subscriber um but those work in any podcast player uh whereas the stitcher thing only works in stitcher and whereas um you can you can restrict some of these other ones so that you're uh also doing things like dynamic ad insertion um and other things not just server side which a lot of uh i believe that npr and new york times i want to say do server side ad insertion stuff where you get like local ads um served up to you so weird how does that work yeah well they can tell where your uh your ip is um where your provider is uh which i'd be curious about because sometimes it says that i'm in santa monica so i wonder if i'd get ads for services in santa monica but um mine used to say i was in new york and (laughs) and every time i was sharing like a uh, an account with someone else, you know, like Twitter or something like that. Uh, every time someone would be like, oh, I think someone might be hacking our uh, Twitter account. And because it just said somebody from New York was trying to sign in. I'm like, nope, that that's me mm-hmm. in in the middle of Missouri. Don't understand it either. But here we are. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, no, it, was, it scares the crap out of me every time I have to sign into iCloud. And it's like, someone is trying to sign in from Santa Monica. And it's like, but I'm not <laughs> there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the the uh they they basically can tell where the, the IP address is and uh, use that information to serve you a geographically relevant ad. Um, but uh, uh, this is just a, a way to silo and lock down something. And uh, because podcasts are generally made, I would say inexpensively, um, uh, there are uh, notable exceptions, the ones that you always see highlighted, like Serial and uh, anything NPR does and... Um, uh, recodes podcasts and uh vox media and all that stuff uh where there are higher production values they may have a studio they may have you know uh uh, an editor that they pay like to do the thing instead of just the person who's also talking just editing it later when they have time um inside an application we we uh we pay our very cool uh editor to produce the show in in you know i think what is it two gold bricks per episode Yes, yes, two gold bricks per episode. It's not um, sustainable. It's just part of our VC-backed model. Uh, <laughs> we're just we're, trying to grow listeners yes. so we can sell all of you listeners to, uh, you know, that up-and-coming streaming service, Trotify. <laughs> is, that, is that for horses? <laughs> it's, well, what it is, it's uh, it's a mixture of a streaming service and a uh, a like running trainer. So you know you you eventually you start out at a trot, but eventually as you're listening to music, it gets you pumped up. Or podcasts, you know, when you're starting out, and then the better you get as it's sensing that you're you know your cadence improves, your heart rate improves, then it starts to play some more intense music. And the goal is to get to like straight up heavy death metal. And that's when you're just running like seven miles per, not seven miles per hour. You're running like 20 miles per hour. <laughs> and uh, you have, have reached the the upper echelon of Trotify uh, users. And so, yeah, that's that's our goal is to sell this podcast yeah. to Trotify uh, so that folks, this is for the people, all of you out there walking right now. And you're, you know, you're walking your dog. You're not doing any more, any more than that. We don't want you speeding along. It's nice and easy, nice and easy on your bones and your muscles as you're getting ready. Uh, I don't know where I am right now. <laughs> I was going to say, about? most of the people I know that listen to death metal are pretty sedentary. Um, or, they, <laughs> or they might drive a car fast. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, Dan. Um, but uh, the 
the uh yeah i i i i we're not growing this to sell this we we in fact this is this is just a service we provide because i'm stupid but um the sorry can i ask i i know this is off topic again <laughs> but did you say sorry dan like like dan sturm oh yes yes does he listens he listens to death metal um i believe he he has jokingly implied that that is something that he listens to uh but but uh i, I don't know if that's Oh, see, now I'm, I'm gonna have to follow up with that. I, I, I just curious. know that he listens to Corn and Limp Biscuit and all that, but um, oh, that's not well, death metal. <laughs> no, but still an interesting choice. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Let's. I'll stop <sighs> dunking on Dan. I mean, he's 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 from Phoenix. Um, but uh, <laughs> the. Uh, the, the it's just it's it's weird how these companies that all want to silo podcasting, uh, which is pretty inexpensive to to make, uh, for a lot of people, do so with the promise that. Uh, you know, w- you can come to us and we'll have a big, glossy, shiny platform for you. Uh, and mm, then I do uh, love a good, glossy, shiny platform. <laughs> uh, and another one that sprang up um, right as this Gimlet and Spotify acquisition was occurring was Himalaya. Um, they announced that they launched a new podcast platform. And uh, you might be like, who is that? Uh, yep. And it is a company that. Uh, is funded primarily uh, by its main investor. It's not sole investor, but its main investor is a company called, uh, I want to say Shimalaya, because I think that's how you pronounce the X. Uh, oh, yeah. Cause it's, or is it, is it she or is it she? Sh- Shim- uh, I'm going to have to check with someone who actually would know. Uh, <laughs> Regardless, yeah. 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 X-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. Yeah. It's, it's Himalaya, but with an X. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's uh, China. It's, it's, it's called 10 Himalaya. But uh, no, that's China's <laughs> biggest spoken word audio platform. Apparently, I've I've never heard of it, but uh, that doesn't mean it isn't. It, it probably could be uh, because I would not be well-versed in uh, China's biggest spoken word audio platform (laughs) true Um, yeah i don't often uh go searching for uh spoken word platforms from other countries just in my own yes uh but uh they there's other investors involved in this uh so it is vc backed it just has a primary investor uh that has this other spoken word audio platform um which is a curious way to phrase that instead of saying China's biggest podcast platform. Yeah. Spoken word audio platform. Spoken word to me is a like in well in the United States, it's a very particular description for a a, a type of performance. And yeah. so I'm just imagining like really passionate uh poems and, and China's just got this huge platform full of these awesome um I don't know, awesome pieces, but I doubt that's what it is, considering that um a show called Vanderpump Rules uh, is going to... Or is, or is that for Himalaya? That's for Himalaya. Okay, yeah. never mind. Yeah, uh, it, the, the China part of this is not specifically relevant to the podcast conversation that we're having. Uh, the, uh, the relevant part is they've scraped uh, everything that's in the iTunes directory uh, <laughs> and put it on their website. Uh, and it's interesting that they did that and other other companies do do this. Um, it's just it's not uh, it's not ideal for a couple of reasons uh, because they try to make it look like there is uh, it it looks basically like a Twitter page or like a Facebook page because uh, mm-hmm. those look almost identical these days uh, where there is a banner image and uh, uh, artwork image and then there's a, a timeline down the middle and there's also a followers count a plays count and a money raised account because this platform believes in tipping um now since all of this information is scraped all of those images are just our podcast.org uh and because we no one is listening to our podcast through their platform we have zero followers and zero plays and zero dollars raised which would crush my my soul and hurt my feelings that no one listens to this but uh it's not accurate Uh, it's just that that's because they have no data uh, so they they're just displaying what their platform uh, has internally, and yeah, so it's the it's the plays and the money and the followers within the app, correct? Right, and they're tipping within the app. Um, so like defocused, uh, the 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 podcast I do with uh, the death metal aficionado, that <laughs> that uh, one 
uh, also has zero 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 because that's what that's the information that Himalaya has on us, um, which is fine. I don't want them to have any information on us, but we. Uh, Dan looked into uh, getting us removed and you have to s- create a Himalaya account and then you have to start a long process of trying to get your podcast removed from Himalaya. Um, so we're just involuntarily on there uh, and we look like losers on their platform, which is delightful. It's a way to, it's a way to encourage anyone to uh, anyone who who's discovered through Himalaya to try to make that result look better i guess but it's just stupid and so i had tweeted out i'm not going to tell anyone how they should or should not make a podcast but i would not advise anyone to put any effort into a vc backed silo and then i linked to the variety article um where variety had very generously given himalaya press um i I have no other kind way to describe it other than giving them press and then uh the vp of global partnerships and marketing oh, at Himalaya Media replied to my tweet, which didn't even mention the company or him, and said, ouch. Because uh, he's just vanity searching for people talking about the Variety article, which Ugh. is, it's, it just lets you know what kind of a crummy company that they have. Um, they just want press for this. They want to grow their stuff. They want people on their platform. They want to look like they're attractive. And they, they offer this tipping platform because they want it uh, as... As you are aware, it is difficult to make money in podcasting unless you're huge uh, and can get big ad buys. Um, and because of that, uh, they, they're like, oh, look at this tipping thing. And that might be appealing to somebody who's like, oh, well, I don't know if I would have a big enough platform. But if people are just signing up and then sending me tips, then I could feel more comfortable with that and I wouldn't have to worry about advertising. Um, but this is bs people don't do this um do do literally anything else release your podcast for free or whatever um somewhere other than this uh i would not give these people any money because you you just become content uh for them um to to barter with when they they get acquired um or or when they further silo what they're doing or when they start splicing ads in in between podcasts or whatever you know so just don't don't fall down a well of using these these awful people (sighs) yeah i think i have a i have a slight uh disagreement with one thing i i feel like most people well or at least i want to believe i really do think that if folks went to uh himalaya bimalaya which by the way uh this app's glaciers are melting and may be doomed (laughs) um if people are going, what the heck are you talking about? Himalayan glaciers may be doomed uh, is a beautiful photo I got this morning uh, that Joe sent me of his uh, Echo Show, right? That's the yeah. Echo Show. Uh, the, no, the... the, the oh, uh, that's your tablet, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, the Fire HD 8 in uh, a show stand. So it goes into show mode um, where it displays things that an Echo Show would display and acts like an Echo Show just with a horrible microphone. But um, the... The, the it just it has the worst news uh i really understand why people were complaining about the echo show uh n- news feature when they first got theirs because it, it's just a constant stream of like really low grade information um and uh it helpfully showed me uh a polar bear sitting on top of an iceberg staring across the water at another iceberg and then in the text in the middle was uh that the himalaya glaciers may be doomed uh, and underneath it says, ask Alexa about the Himalaya, uh, Himalaya glaciers being doomed. And it's like, but, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that at all. Um, cause this isn't appealing to me at the moment. Uh, also polar bears are not in the Himalayas, but, uh, the, the I assume that's just a, a random pairing of artwork that they had. Uh, but that is neither here nor there. You were saying that, uh, uh, you had, you had one point of disagreement with me on, uh, Oh this. yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, So my one point of disagreement is just that I think if folks go to that site or that app and they see different shows, I think that folks are wise enough to know because they're they're It's being treated sort of as a social network. And so I think folks are wise enough to understand that those counts are app specific, that these are people following you on Himalaya. These are people funding you on Himalaya. These are people listening to the show on Himalaya. Um, as opposed to it just being like, this is all of the data that's ever, you know, been been put out about the site. Um, because there there are a few other 
uh, podcast apps that sort of add a they don't do the they don't do the thing where they're trying to help you make money or anything like that. So it's not as if it's fully what is the word I'm looking for? It's not as if they are locking you into anything. It's just it, it you know, it's a I hate the word, but like a podcatcher. Um, but it just puts a like a layer on top of it that allows you to easily within the app, like share share the podcast that you're listening to with friends and leave comments. Um, one of our listeners and uh, someone who's been on um, Clockwise before is uh, Heidi. And uh, oh, goodness, Polypus, I think is how she said that her last name is pronounced. But Heidi Polypus is one of the uh, is the designer of Capsicum, uh, along with uh, along with Ish. And she uses um, one of the apps that does this. And it's kind of fun because she can like leave comments at different portions during the show. And, uh, I, I have one, I have an account with it and get notifications sometimes whenever people will leave comments. And so that I think is kind of fun. And I'm pretty sure there is a follower count within the app. And it's very clear that it's like people within breaker, I think is the name of the app, people within breaker who are following your show or who are listening to your show. Um, and it allows you to. Let me see. I'm opening up Breaker now. Uh, and then I'm going to find our show here. Unhelpful. This is good audio. Um, yeah, so there are nine subscribers. And I know that that means within Breaker, that those subscribers are within Breaker. But um, we'll get comments and likes uh, within the thing. And it's not, again, it's not taking... Um, people and like locking them into a silo uh but i do like the idea so it shows like literally at four minutes in the episode heidi stopped and commented to talk about um what she did whenever she was sick for the episode 61 cardi biologist where we were talking about like medicines and things that we do and how vitamin c is kind of a joke uh and that's fun i think that i think that there's a way to add functionality and interaction to podcasts and not be creepy or be sort of lock in or anything like that. So I don't know why it took me that long to say that, but but there we go in the end is that's, that's my point is I don't think it's all bad whenever you sort of add things on top of the experience. But certainly if you're trying to like give a place to, uh, have your creators make money but you are like processing the payments and all that kind of stuff that's gross and gets creepy yeah i think my main objection was the tipping feature uh there are other services that scrape the itunes directory to to uh to build out a list of shows and stuff when some of them are web facing some of them are just apps uh another one that you find in google search results for this show is player fm um it's like the fourth google search result down um uh, after itunes so there's some relevance in these in these things and that one of course doesn't display like a listener count or uh likes or tipping or any of that stuff because um, i think there's another creepy aspect where you can see literally the amount of money that's been tipped to someone like a, a patreon um I, I i don't really like that aspect of patreon where you can see how much money somebody is making on patreon but uh you know people feel differently about that um i uh i don't like that you have to sign up to these services to claim it so that you can remove it from what they've scraped yes that's that's so that's bothersome it's uh that goes along so if you've published stuff online like as a writer as a journalist or or some form of blogger where your stuff gets uh put on you know uh, rather popular sites or sites that get over a certain number of views whatever uh there are these different companies that will scrape the internet for your information and then put it all into one place 
And that is for PR people. PR people pay like a monthly subscription to have access to that. And so these sites will will use different methods to track down your email, try to find your phone number on the internet, try to find all these different ways to get into contact with you, and then also provide those PR people with like stuff that you cover, uh, categories that you cover. And then you, as a journalist, will get an email from one of these services. And it's like, hey, we've built this profile on you. And if you see anything wrong with it, or if you want to remove it, then you need to make an account and log in. And so you have to go and create an account. You can either adjust it so that whatever it's gotten wrong, you can uh, fix, or you can like remove your phone number if it's there, or whatever, what have you. But it's I that sort of do first and ask for permission later kind of thing is just grody. And I understand the concept of well, we're producing this thing that's out there and available to the public, but it's sort of, it goes against the spirit of the thing. And that is sort of the the indie podcasters of the world are very much about, quote, the spirit of the thing, unquote. And I think that's why we have, you know, such big objections to this, because it feels like this thing where we all just sort of, it's one of those sort of social contracts where everybody sort of agreed to just be cool, just be cool. And now there are people coming in who are just absolutely not being cool. And uh, in fact, they're being too warmth. And it's, 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 it's disheartening. And it's grody. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I know that other people are upset about it, too. And I think that it's very reasonable that that's the case. Yeah, Uh, agreed. Um, and, uh, I like that you worked in Quilth. Uh, I was a little worried the first time, but, uh, but that you, you got there on the second try. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. your support there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, well, that is, uh, Spotify and its acquisitions. Um, and do you, Himalaya <laughs> and Himalaya, unrelated. Yes. <laughs> unrelated, but within the same category. Yeah. Wait, wave, uh, waving their flag going, Hey, Spotify, we're over here. <laughs> <laughs> we heard you were planning on buying more companies. Is that true? Well, yeah. uh, here we are. Uh, we, yeah, we're doing great. We got lock in. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, Apple and, well, I don't know. Do we want to talk about the, the new news about them moving modem chip engineering, blah, 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 blah? I don't, uh, I don't like have any like strong feelings i could articulate on that one i think good i think <laughs> it's a little a little dry of a subject at the moment um but uh and i know that it impacts a lot of people and, it, and it's a lot of money etc and it's very actually interesting and dramatic in that field it's just that it is at a point where i there's there's nothing super amazing about that uh what, what i find a more interesting apple story um is uh, what what has transpired in terms of uh, an executive shakeup that uh, happened very quickly uh, with the the head of retail Angela Arons, um departing the company. Uh, she's leaving April fifteenth. Um, it was announced the other day, uh, and that her role uh, is not going to be vacant or filled with someone who is under her. It's being combined with the head of. Uh, what is essentially human resources, the 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 senior VP of people. Um, uh, so that's going to be uh, people in retail, um, which is an interesting move. Uh, but uh, that that is a, a person who's been at the company for a long time, thirty years. Uh, Deidre O'Brien, I believe, last name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I think that. This is interesting because Angela Arantz was giving interviews last week about retail and um, her plans about things and didn't really seem like she was winding down uh, to, <laughs> to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it is interesting. I don't know if it was one of these situations where some sort of numbers didn't add up or if uh i mean i mean it could, I, there's no reason to speculate i guess on on why but um i one of the things so angela Arons uh sort of headed things off when it came to the new way of of handling 
uh, orders for devices that are shipping. And so time and time again, after an iPhone launch, she would be doing the rounds, doing interviews, talking about how, oh, yeah, I was at this headquarters where we were, you know, in the war room, essentially, where we had all these computers up and we were watching the the orders come pouring in. And uh, that seems to have been, even though there have been hiccups, um, having everybody be able to just like chill at home and not have to stand in mile, 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 mile long lines, I consider that an improvement. I think that, uh, you know, we, especially with the fact that iPhone purchasing has up until this point continued to just grow and grow and grow, there was no way that the sort of old method of doing things was going to continue to work. And so when Angela Aarons was brought in and uh, worked to redo and revamp that, help revamp that, I think that she did a good job. One of the things that I, the only thing that like I didn't like about the Angela Aarons era was the way that the Apple online store was changed to where it was sort of all one area. So you go to like apple.com and then you tap, you click on, you know, one of the, the headers at the top. So watch, for example, and then you click on accessories and then you could finally get to the shop and find stuff where before it was like the store was separate. You clicked on it and then there was all the different stuff you could buy split up into categories. Now it feels like it's unnecessarily, uh, obscured in a way and sort of hidden behind just being part of the store. But like I said, the process for pre-order and as time has elapsed, the way that, you know, if you're doing the iPhone upgrade program, how you could get everything plugged in exactly how you wanted it. You could get pre-approved. You could save your favorite phone and easily go in and make those things were no small achievement. And I think that that's something that, you know, she has every right to be super proud of. Um, as for Apple stores, there's not one nearby me. And so I hardly am ever going to an Apple store and have only been to an Apple store like five or six times. And so that part doesn't really mean that much to me um, or is not that important to me. But uh, the other thing, the last thing that I'll say is uh, Dan had an excellent question for Dan Morin had an excellent question on clockwise, uh, wherein we were tasked with uh, taking over for Angela Aarons and the first thing that we would do as SVP of retail. And one of the things that I talked about was just the the number of times I've heard that in-store Apple support is kind of crummy and could use some revamping. And if that is something that O'Brien considers looking at and figuring out sort of where the stores, the physical stores go from here, then I think that's going to be a good idea. Because as far as the digital stuff goes, I really think that Angela Aaron did a very good job of leading that effort and making it, uh, making it, pretty doggone you know locked tight or is that the word um airtight yeah airtight thank you yes airtight okay uh it's interesting that we have different uh well because we interact with retail apple retail differently uh since i'm surrounded by apple stores um i i uh, there are literally six creeping in on you right now (laughs) there there are so many around me it's 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 actually really weird uh the i don't have any there's there's one technically a flagship store that is in santa monica it is not a flagship store it's just a large glass box um you know compared to the stores that they have put in uh chicago or uh the Apple Park store or the one that's in Union Square, um, the, the one in Santa Monica, is, I, I wouldn't call it a flagship. Um, but uh, all the other ones that are around here are all the uh, mall uh, box type where you, there's just a spot in a mall, um, that just like any other store in the mall, where you, there's a glass front with a display thing and then a bunch of wooden tables. Um, and uh, some of these have been renovated in recent years where... They left the old store location open while another uh, s- store was set up in, a, in an empty spot in the mall, and then they transitioned in a single day from one to the other, um, and then uh, closed down and uh, uh, got rid of the the previous location that was inside of the mall, uh, leading to some confusion for people who 
didn't know that it had like moved two floors. But uh, the the thing is, none of them have been revamped in a significant way over the originals. That was an improvement, I feel like. Uh, they even these new stores they don't deal with traffic flow uh, very well. You you are walking past one, and iBeacon is triggered uh, on your phone that gives you a notification to use the uh, the Apple Store app so that you can check out and buy things. But there are, are relatively few things you can check out and buy um, directly inside the store. What happens is you walk past one or two people with iPads at the front of the store, and they're the only two people who can really help you uh, mm-hmm. because they are the ones who are going to set up an appointment with somebody who can actually sell you something or uh, with a genius to talk to you about your software problem. Um the rest of the people who are inside of the store are not empowered empowered in that way. So you can walk through the store, find something you want to buy, and then go back up to find them, wait in the line that's in front of them to ask them uh, to set you up with someone else to talk to you to actually complete the purchase. It is really convoluted and strange because uh, it doesn't function like a regular store famously. Uh, you know, Steve Jobs didn't want like cash registers and stuff like that. Um and uh, Ron Johnson uh, headed up the original design of these stores. So what Angela Aarons did was very much an extension of that. Uh, but the oh, and then there was the what's his face guy, the 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 British guy who came in and then mucked everything up, and he was out in like six months. Uh, nobody liked him. Oh yeah, I don't remember his name, but yes, I know exactly. Yes, yeah. oh boy, he was he was one of those like cutting staff to like increase revenue bozos. Um, so he <laughs> he didn't fit with company culture and was uh disposed of um so angela errance that lasted what five years um she's done a, a good job of revamping these stores in the intervening time she ha- hasn't managed to streamline the process uh of of getting the getting what you want out of the retail store as quickly as possible um that is a hurdle that uh maybe deidre can tackle um because the current flow of finding one of those people with an iPad to help you is is not scaling well, especially uh, as we saw in this past year with the battery replacement program in store. Um, people were busy 24-7. Uh, in, well, not 24-7, but busy 10 to whatever, 10 to 7 um, inside of these stores. So the uh, you can never find specialists specialists to uh, help you with complete purchases. Like I wanted to buy an Apple Watch uh, a year and a half ago. Um, mm-hmm. well, not a year, a year ago. And, uh, the, uh, the process was you go into the store, you tell somebody with the iPad that you want to buy an Apple watch and they say, they're going to set you up with a specialist and to go wait over by the watch table. Um, and then you wait there because there is apparently only one kind of person who can help you buy the watch. I don't understand. So you see people buzzing around going from table to table, helping other people. And you're just like, Sorry, what? buzzing around, you say? <laughs> buzzing around. Uh, but uh, they, and you're just like, so when am I next? And there's other people who are at the table with you, and you're just like, are they in front of me in line? Are they like in a different, like invisible line? Like what, what is, what is happening? Uh, and then eventually, you know, the guy came over and uh, he's like, oh, so let's try, let's set it up with your phone. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. Just give me the box <laughs> with the thing in it. And I Ew, want to walk out of the I store. I hate that. I hate that so much. Don't try to make me fill this st- or uh, set this stupid thing up in the store. I will do that on my own later. Thank you. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> not that bad. But I do. I hate that. Whatever they're like, oh, would you like to? No, no, I would not. Do not rip the plastic on that. That bad boy better stay hermetically sealed until I'm in the comfort of my own home. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's weird because they seem so... They're they're specifically versed in a in a very person in a very uh people focused uh, like l- let me help you with every step of this process way, um and I can understand why uh, Angela would have wanted that uh, she she seems very focused on a, building a connection with people is something that she had said a lot in interviews um, she has a lot of really lo- lofty language involved in her views of retail um, it just it didn't didn't like map out that way there should be like a flow chart in the training process where it's like is this someone who just wants a box and to leave the store check mm-hmm. let them do that yes 
but uh like they almost seem like surprised you don't want to like chat with them you, which is you weird don't want my help no <laughs> it's like it'll be penalized later you did you didn't help them you didn't insist on helping them no but uh it's just like you want me to try it on you want to do this and that and it's just like no just give me the box but uh it, and i had a similar experience when i was buying my macbook pro uh this last summer because i had to replace my my aging um macbook pro that i had and uh, it was just like we we're gonna set you up with a specialist. Go wait over by the Apple Watch table, and it's like bleep. Like what? What? <laughs> what? Why do I need to wait over by this table? Like, give me the box. <laughs> bleep. Yeah, and I needed uh, a, a, a silicone case for the the iPhone XS that I got because it was slightly different from the iPhone X silicone case, and uh, I waited. Uh, to talk to the person with the iPad at the front of the store, but they were so busy with people upgrading their phones that they couldn't actually help me. And I was just like, but I just need to buy a case. Like, that's all I need. I need a case. And they're like, well, we'll get somebody to help you. And it's like, no, no. But what I didn't know that Dan told me, cause I was complaining to him about this, uh, while I was in the store, uh, Dan Storm, not Dan Warren. Um, although he probably <laughs> wouldn't know this too, is that if you go over to the wall of wooden blocks with silicone cases and leather cases and stuff on them, you can pull on any of those drawers that actually have the cases behind the wood panel. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can use the Apple Store app to check out. But they don't make that obvious because it's hidden behind a wood panel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I went through the process that I did that and I checked out of the store. I was going to wait back in the iPad line to tell the iPad lady that I didn't need that appointment anymore but i was just like i can't i can't can't wait here for another half hour so i just left i left the place in frustration uh had the thing i wanted but i didn't feel good about the retail interaction that i had had and all of my retail interactions have basically been like that it's felt like uh an invisible dmv where i can't tell where i am inside of a line of people uh or for appointments and when you're waiting in that line to talk to the ipad people at the front of the store you hear everybody else who's complaining who's like what do you mean there's no appointment till next friday like i came in here with my computer right now to to see somebody because people are used to an era where apple was less popular and they had more uh trained specialists uh uh geniuses uh on staff for dealing with software problems you could like i remember a time where you could just walk into an Apple store, be like, I'm having a problem with my computer. And they'll, they, there was just somebody there who could help you because yes. the traffic inside the store was so low. Um, what's weird about the current era and Apple's popularity is that the traffic is very high. And it seems to be a lot of people who are not moving in and out of the store very quickly um, because they're there for a long period of time because something's gone wrong with their iCloud account or they <laughs> forgot a password or something like that. And it's just like, this is... Uh, at where the the battery replacement program again, which seemingly, um, I, I'm sure that they spent more money. I, I think they probably spent more on uh the hourly wages of the people doing the battery replacement work than they than, than the battery replacement itself cost. Um, wow, yeah. Uh, that that is probably just a, it was a really weird thing. I don't know. I don't think that was Angela's decision to do that in store um so i don't necessarily blame her for that uh process but like it just had the the side effect of making the stores like even worse than they were because you could never find anybody to help you because they were all busy doing battery replacements (sighs) that's so part of that makes me happy because it means that people did take advantage of that program but certainly in terms of the experience of trying to find help or get the right products in the store uh, that's where it does, um, it does suck. And again, like I, I go back to what I said before, I do, if there was the one thing that I would change, it is the fact that there aren't as many, uh, actually knowledgeable folks working in the Apple store, because it seems like most of them have been replaced with folks who help people find a new case for their phone, as opposed to answering questions about, the issues that they're having with their phone that go past, oh, my battery, or or I can't remember my password for this. It's like people who want to be able to go into an Apple store and say, hey, I when I plug this bad boy in, it's super loud, uh, making this weird sound, and also it has... Um, it, 
it it heats up a little bit too much and I want to know like what's going on there. And these days it seems like the only way to get help with that is to call. And even still the first three people you talk to are telling you to friggin' power cycle the device instead of giving you any actual help. And I still wish that there was some sort of secret code that one could whisper to support people. That's like, it's like, what's your safe word? But instead it's like, What's your knowledgeable word? <laughs> and so you can say, I don't know, uh, clandestine snow bears. And then they go, oh, right. You need to speak to someone who uh, has more knowledge than you do on this particular situation, because all I'm going to be able to do is help you power cycle the device. And you've already done that six times, as well as 10 other troubleshooting steps that exist uh, either in your brain or somewhere on the Internet. I want that to be a possibility. And I just, yeah, I think there should be more knowledgeable people in places. And I know that some places do have very knowledgeable people. And I think what that needs to be is more universal. So all of the stores having people who will, you know, be available for that. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what, uh, Deidre does. Um, I'm, because I'm not sure specifically what the sticking points were in the decision for Angela to leave. Um, but, uh, I, I have to imagine it's related to the physical store. Um, probably not the online store. Um, but maybe she was just like tired and she just, you know, didn't want to do it anymore. I don't know. Um, we're, we're just guessing at things, uh, only because it seemed so abrupt. Um, but, uh, the, you know, I, I I just I really I hope for some improvements in in this regard because um, they had the they had a very all of these stores look very nice but they just don't function super well and uh, Angela always had a really lofty language for describing her views her philosophy on retail um, and whenever she would get up and do those uh, little bits inside of the Apple presentations. Um, she's she's a great speaker. She dresses super sharp, obviously, because she was the CEO of Burberry. Um, and uh, she like goes one hundred percent in on what she believes in, like in terms of retail. Mm-hmm. It, so I I I always respected her executive abilities in that regard. It's just that when I would see these things executed, when I would see her f- philosophy, like manifest in the store it'd be like this is not what you're talking about on the stage um because it was like meet at apple um meet me at apple and it's like i'm not gonna meet you there like why would i do that to somebody um but uh the and and the stuff with the grove and uh town square and you know we we want it to be like a gathering place we want people to just come there and experience things and experience the products and experience that it's like but that's not that's not what these stores are. These stores are the DMV. Like people want to get in and out as quick as possible. They want to buy whatever it is and they want to leave. Like the uh, stuff that they set up for educational uh, events, uh, where they have like local artists walk you through different ways of uh, using an iPad to paint, or they have photography um, uh, stuff that they set up inside of these these things. It's like she obviously really cared about education. Uh, and it, there was a, a huge uh, part of this, the the redesigned stores that was dedicated to that because they always had these enormous LED display walls where uh, there were all those uncomfortable wooden blocks for you to s- sit on. Um, and uh, you could follow along with whatever the local presenter was. So, like, they, they cared about those programs. It's just that the reality of the situation was that people needed some smoother retail uh uh functions in to to occur that than what were happening i think yeah but i'm just guessing um yeah i think and that's honestly that's one of those things where we are left with guesses and not not a whole lot else (laughs) um but i don't know i guess we'll see going forward there have been quite a few leadership changes or shakeups. Well, I shouldn't say shakeups, but a lot of different leadership uh, happenings we'll go with at Apple. And I think that that 
um, will present for a rather interesting year this year um, in terms of both retail experience, but also products and uh, features and functionality. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that uh, how that affects things and uh, what these folks are going to bring to the table. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, so until until next time, um, stay cool and uh, meet me at Apple. Oh no, I think you mean stay. <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying that word anymore that's a bad word i just want to say There's... for everything like like uh how smurfs would say smurfing we'll just we'll just say like cool thing Ew, cool cool thing <laughs> thing <laughs> uh lord have mercy uh well everybody out there i uh i hope that you enjoyed this episode <laughs> and i hope that you're not listening to it on the Himalayan glaciers. No, no. They may be doomed. Don't tip us there, please, because we won't get it. <laughs> no. Then I not even ironically, don't don't give them any money. <laughs> yeah, please don't yeah, please don't give them any money. Yeah. Don't 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 condone what they're doing, those turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> those Himalayan turkeys.